Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Am I in love? Now, you can attach that to whatever you want. You could put whatever after it you want. Am I in love with a person, a thing, a business, anything in your life? Am I in love? Love, experiencing love in ourselves is an absolutely amazing thing. Not only is it an amazing experience, it really lifts the entire outlook that we have on everything. And the reason that I picked this one for today is because of the lesson entering into the spirit of it. Because the essence of that really is love. Am I entering into the growth spirit, the love spirit, the harmonious spirit of whatever I'm doing? Keep in mind, folks, this is a choice, okay? Entering into the spirit of a thing It is a choice. It's not, you know, you don't have to wait till it happens to you. You can make a conscious choice. It's an attitude of mind. Entering into the spirit of it. We all know the meaning of this phrase in our everyday life. The spirit is that which gives life and movement to anything. In fact, it is that which causes it to exist at all. The thought of the author is the impression of the painter, the feeling of the musician, is that which out with their works would never have come into being. And so it is only as we enter into the idea which gives rise to the work that we can derive all enjoyment and benefit from it, which it is able to bestow. If we cannot enter into the spirit of it, the book, the picture, the music are meaningless to us. To appreciate them, we must share the mental attitude of their creator. This is a universal principle. If we do not enter into the spirit of a thing, it is dead so far as we're concerned. But if we do enter into the spirit, we reproduce in ourselves the same quality of life, which call that thing into existence. Now, I think that statement is very important. If you're entering into the spirit of something of a higher nature for yourself, it is calling forth a higher nature of energies in yourself to to readily bring to what you do, whether it's a relationship or uh, your children or your pets or the, the work that you do. It's keeping you in a higher energy. And what is so important about a higher energy? Well, not just the resonance and how happy we are when we're feeling that energy, but allows us to be more resourceful. It's a more resourceful energy. There, you know how you feel like when you're tired and you have to do something, you just you have that feeling inside you don't want to do it. When you're in the spirit of something, not only are you in that resonance, you want to do it. You're coming from a totally different attitude of mind. Now, if this is a general principle, why can we not carry it to a higher range of things? Why not to the highest point of all? May we not enter into the originating spirit of life itself and so reproduce it in ourselves as a perennial spring of livingness, this surely is a question worthy of our careful consideration. The spirit of a thing is that which is the source of its inherent movement, and therefore the question before us is, what is the nature of the primal moving power 
which is at the back of the endless array of life, which we see around us and our own life included. Science gives us ample ground for saying that it is not material, for science has now at least theoretically reduced all material things to a primary ether universally distributed whose innumerable particles are in absolute equilibrium. Whence it follows on mathematical grounds alone that the initial movement which began to concentrate the world and all material substances out of the particles that particles dispersed either could not have originated in the particles themselves. Thus by necessary deduction from the conclusions of physical science, we are compelled to realize the presence of some immaterial power capable of separating off certain specific areas for the display of cosmic activity, and then building up a material universe with all its inhabitants by an orderly sequence of evolution, in which each stage lays the foundation for the development of the stage, which is to follow. In a word, we find ourselves brought face to face with a power which exhibits on a stupendous scale the faculties of selection and adaptation of means to an end, and thus distributes energy and life in accordance with a recognizable scheme of cosmic progression. It therefore, it is therefore not only life, but also intelligence, and life guided by intelligence becomes volition. It is this primary originating power which we mean when we speak of the spirit, and it is into this spirit of the whole universe that we must enter if we would reproduce it as a spring of original life in ourselves. If you think about when you have a desire to do something, there is a spirit to that desire. There is a pressure, there's an urge, there's a, a, a calling from within to bond with something else, to manifest something else, to find something else, to figure something else out. It really, it really arouses the curiosity within a person and begins moving that person forward. Now, in the case of the production of an artistic genius, we know that we must enter into the movement of the creative mind of the artist before we can realize the principle which give, gives rise to his work. We must learn to partake of the feeling, to find expression for that which is the motive of the creative activity. We may not apply the same principle to the greater creative mind with which we are speaking to deal. There is something in the work of the artist which is akin to the original creation. His work, literary, musical, or graphic, is original creation on a miniature scale. In this, it differs from that of the engineer, which is constructive, or that of the scientists, which is analytical. For the artist, in sense, creates something out of nothing, and therefore starts from the standpoint of a simple feeling, and not from the pre-existing necessity. So what is that? That is, that is the image or the feeling that the artist gets to create this, the, the piece of music, uh, the painting, the sculpture, whatever, whatever it might be. When he's talking about the scientist or the mathematician or whatever, they start with something that's already here, right? It's like, here's this cup. I want to measure this cup so I can put another handle on it. But it's already, it's something that's already here. So they're starting from a secondary premise. 
This, by hypothesis of the case, is true also of the parent mind. For at the stage where the initial movement of creation takes place, there are no existing conditions to compel action in one direction more than another. Consequently, the direction taken by the creative impulse is not dictated by outward circumstances, and the primary movement must therefore be entirely due to the action of the original mind upon itself. It is the reaching out of this mind for realization of all that it feels itself to be. The creative process thus, in the first instance, is purely a matter of feeling, exactly what we speak as motive in a work of art. So important to know, because the feeling, like if you think about the goal that you set for yourself, there's a feeling inside of you of the wanting to, to create it, to manifest it, to accomplish it. There's a feeling inside of you of wanting to take yourself to the next level, to get better, to learn more, to do more, to be more in your life. That is, that is when you recognize that, you also recognize that you, you've entered into the spirit of it so far as much as those things are concerned. But the achievement of it is also a spirit. Love and beauty. Now, it is the original feeling that we need to enter into because it is the fonset ego of the whole chain of causation which subsequently follows. When can this original feeling of spirit be? Since the spirit is life in itself, its feeling can only be for the fuller expression of life. Any other sort of feeling would be self-destructive and is therefore inconceivable. Then the full expression of life implies happiness, and happiness implies harmony, and harmony implies order, and order implies proportion, and proportion implies beauty. So that in recognition of the inherent tendency of the spirit toward the production of life, we can recognize a similar inherent tendency to the production of these other qualities also. And since the desire to bestow on the greater fullness and joyous of life can only be described as love, we can sum up the whole feeling, which is the original moving impulse in the spirit as love and beauty. The spirit finding expression through forms of beauty in centers of life in harmonious reciprocal relation to itself. This is a generalized statement of the broad principle by which spirit expands from the innermost to the outermost in accordance with the law of tendency inherent in itself. This is the, one of the main reasons why we're not supposed to create from a place of lack. When we do that, we're not in the spirit of the thing. We're not in the spirit of the creation. We're not in the spirit of life. We're not in the spirit of love. We're in the spirit of fear. All lack is directly associated with fear the thing that I don't have. We reduce our power down to basically just the scientific form because we're only using our senses to determine what we have. And like Pritchett pointed out in U squared, absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence. Nothing that is, as Trower talks about, say let's use the artist or the musician as an example, anything that they create is coming from the no thing. It starts with an image. It starts with a desire. It starts with a feeling. It's not here in any physical form. So they're creating from the nothing to the thing. If they say, I leave something out because 
I don't know, I can't afford more paint, or I don't want to use a whole canvas, or this takes too much work. The entire spirit that they receive to begin with is then parceled off. It's cut short. It goes in a reverse. It's a degradation of the original idea. It sees itself as it were, reflected in various centers of life and energy, each with its appropriate form. But in the first instance, these reflections can have no existence except within the original mind. They have their first beginning as mental images, so that in addition to the powers of intelligence and selection, we must go and realize that of the imagination as belonging to the divine mind. And we must picture these powers as working from the initial motive of love and beauty. The personal factor. Now this is the spirit that we need to enter into. And the method of doing so is, is a perfectly logical one. It's the same method by which all scientific advances is made. It consists in first observing how a certain law works under the conditions spontaneously provided by nature. Next, in carefully considering what principle this spontaneous working indicates, and lastly, deducing from this how the same principle would act under specially selected conditions not spontaneously provided by nature. The progress of shipbuilding affords a good example of what I mean. Formerly, wood was employed instead of iron because wood floats on water and iron sinks. Yet now, uh, the navies of the world are built of iron. Careful thought showed the law of flotation to be that anything could float which bulk for bulk is lighter than the mass of liquid displaced by it. And so we now make iron float by making use of the very same law by which it sinks. By the introduction of we provided conditions which do not occur spontaneously, according to the esoteric maxim that nature unaided fails. Now we want to apply the same process of specializing a generic law to the first of all laws, that all of the generic life-giving tendency of spirit itself Without the element of individual personality, the spirit can only work cosmically by generic law. But this law admits a, fire, a far higher specialization, and this specialization can only be attained through the introduction of the personal factor. But to introduce this factor, the individual must be fully aware of the principle which underlies the spontaneous or the cosmic action of this law. Where then will he find the principle of life? Certainly not by contemplating death. In order to get the principle to work in the way that we require it to, we must observe its action when it's working spontaneously in this particular direction. We must ask why it goes in the right direction as far as it does. And having learned this, we shall then be able to make it go further. The law of flotation was not discovered by contemplating the sinking of things, but by contemplating the floating of things, which floated naturally, and then intelligently asking why they did so. The knowledge of the principle is to be gained by the study of its affirmative action. When we understand that, we are in a position to correct the negative conditions, which tend to prevent that, that action. Now, Death is the absence of life, and disease is the absence of health. 
So to enter into the spirit of life, we require to contemplate it where it is to be found and not where it is not. We're met with the old question, why seek you living among the dead? This is why we start our studies by considering the cosmic creation, for it is there that we find the spirit of life working through untold ages, not merely as deathless energy, but with perpetual advance into higher degrees of life. If we could only so enter into the spirit as to make it personally in ourselves, what is evidently in itself, the magnum opus would be accomplished. This means realizing our life as drawn direct from the originating spirit. And if we now understand that by thought or imagination of the spirit is the great reality of being, and that all material facts are only correspondences, then it logically follows that we have to do what we have to do is to maintain our individual place in the thought of the parent mind. Part, partially in doing this, the idea is understanding if you think your thought is powerful, your thought is powerful. If I have a thought of something that I want to do, if it's a movement forward, if there's a movement forward in that thought, it's part of that parent mind, it's part of that spirit. If it's going in the other direction, it is not. It is not. It is probably some condition that's been contemplated by man without considering the divine mind. You know, if I limit, if you take a, a group of people and you raise them to the limited world of just their senses, they become very boxed in as far as options go to ever expand beyond what they can see. Because from a qualitative perspective, the only thing that we're dealing with then is what do I factually see? What can I measure? What can I weigh? Right? And we let the lie of just the material aspect of something become the entire conclusion of what we think about it. If we bring in the idea of spirit, divine mind, parent mind, cosmic mind, however you want to call it, God, whatever, you take the potential far greater, unlimited actually. And then that changes the possibility of what we do with the thing. We have seen that the action of the originating mind must, uh, must needs be generic. That is according to the types, which include multitudes of individuals. This type of reflection of the creative mind at the level of the particular genus and at the human level, uh, it is man, not associated with particular circumstances, but is existing in the absolute ideal. The other thing is, is that human beings are the only forms of life that have the consciousness to contemplate this, intelligently direct it, and put it to work. Consciously. Animals do it to some degree. We watch animals use tool. We, we watch animals, some animals have higher intelligence than other, others, and we watch them build things. We watch them do some kind of problem solving. We're not quite sure to the degree of how it's done, but we do know that it never, it never radically expands within one generation like it does with a human being. So there's not, the consciousness is definitely not there. In proportion, then as we learn to disassociate the conception of ourselves from particular circumstances and to rest upon the absolute nature 
as reflections of the divine ideal, we in turn reflect back into the divine imagination, its original conception of itself, as expressed in our generic or typical man. And so by a natural law of cause and effect, the individual who realizes this mental attitude uh, enters permanently into the spirit of life. That always, so when you look at when you look at anything that we can do, and you might think to yourself, did I do something the right way? There actually is no right way. There is the way that you're currently doing it. There's a way that would make it worse, but there's always a better way. Life can't move forward if we don't remember that anything that we do can be done better. Anything can be advanced. So people will have a tendency to draw this emotional conclusion that that's as far as they can go because two things happen. One, they've reached the end of the vision in their mind with what it is that they're doing. But the next thing is, is that in, the, in that moment, they're not emotionally resourceful. So they're not necessarily seeing past where they are. But if you have somebody of a nature that is consistently moving forward, even with a period of time, if they have a chance to like decompress from the work that they did, they will begin to see to be able to move forward. There also sometimes has to be an insistence on our part to push ourselves to do better, not knowing what the better is but to try to find a way through. Because as we do it, we demand more of our consciousness and it downloads that information from the universe. So he says, permanently into the spirit of life. And it becomes a perennial fountain of life springing up spontaneously within him. Now, some people we see this and we know that like, we see creative people, they constantly have that. Or people that... They really have, they're full of life energy. They're just expressive and, and engaging, you know, and they participate and they're full of contribution and, you know, they're always moving forward. This is, exists in everybody, but in some people, it literally gets shut down by their, by their trauma experience or childhood experience. Personal creativity. He then finds himself to be, as the Bible says, the image or likeness of God. He has reached the level at which he affords a new starting point for the creative process and the spirit. Finding a personal center in him begins to work de novo. Having thus solved the great problem of how to enable the universal to act directly upon the plane of the particular. It is in this sense as affording to the requisite center for a new departure of the creative spirit that man is said to be a microcosm of the universe in miniature. And this is also what is meant by the esoteric doctrine of the octave, of which I may be able to speak more fully on some other occasion. If the principle here stated, stated, carefully considered, they will be found to throw light on much that would otherwise be obscure, and they will also afford the key to the succeeding essays. The reader is therefore asked to think them out carefully for himself and note their connection with the subject that continues on, which is really not really important because that's where it was going to the opulence and beauty, which we already covered. So the idea is that everything that we do has a higher creative spirit. If we remember that there's a higher creative spirit, there's other things that come into the realization. Like one of the things that Emerson said that was so good was that 
you'll do the thing and you'll get the energy to do the thing. That's another way of saying enter into the spirit of it. When we resist something, we're not in that energy. We shut down, we go into resistance. The mind becomes unresourceful. The body becomes less strong. Our problem solving ability becomes numbed, you know, uh, or, or more, more dormant. By entering into the spirit of it, which is a willingness on our end, and understanding something else, which I'll talk more of as we, as we go through this and some other things. We have to realize, human beings have to realize, we have the ability to take our capacity for love and engage it consciously with something. Most people are raised where love is an experience that kind of happens to you, you know, like your first crush on someone, or you find a toy or something that you, you're really passionate about. Those experiences aren't really conscious because it's like, oh, look at the feeling I have when I'm with this person or doing this thing, or when I'm achieving that or listening to this music. However, it's not something that's happening to you. It's something that you're doing in your mind. It's an actual application of yourself. Now, true, you may have you may be in more resonance with that thing, but you can also take it and apply it to things specifically. And I found this out purely by accident. When I first changed, when I was driving the forklift, well, the first attitude change that I made was act like I loved what I was doing, right? And I, I had to, like nobody told me to do this, I had to use the word act because I did not love what I was doing. I hated what I was doing. But when I acted like I loved what I was doing, unconsciously, unbeknownst to me, I was entering into the spirit of the thing, which then catapulted me in 30 days further than I had ever gone in, in, that, in, in 27 years in my life at that point. Like it was instantaneous. It, was, it just blew my mind because everything's already here. All the possibilities are here. All the resources are here. Everything that you need is here. And as you consciously apply this to the goals that you're working on right now, it will take you further, farther, and faster towards the end result that you want. You just have to consistently remember that you have to do your part. And that is by staying committed, keeping your word with yourself, and entering into the spirit of the thing. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.